Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike, and with me is John. John, how are you doing today? How's your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. <clears throat> well, for the most part, I mean, got to sit around and watch college football all day, so can't really complain too much about that. Um, disappointing uh, loss for my Gophers. Um, was expecting a little bit more. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I, it just really didn't turn out that way. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's uh, definitely some things that need to be worked on and fixed. Um, you know, do I think that they can make some improvements, you know, in the next couple of weeks? Yeah. We'll just see how far and how, how I guess, like how much more they can improve. But. Well, well, we'll get in. We can get into that when we get to that game, too. Yeah. But overall, good weekend, man. No major complaints here. Awesome. Well, my weekend was a little bit of an adventure. Mm. My flight on Friday to North Carolina was canceled. And then I got on a flight that night later and ended up arriving about midnight. And then sat went to Saturday and watched the Gophers put up a, a pretty uneven effort, I would say. That would be my charitable interpretation of it <laughs> against the Tar Heels. And then my flight home today was delayed twice. So I did finally make it home. And here we are. So people, bear with us. It's been a little bit of a crazy weekend. We're going to do our best here. But, you know, we'll see what our fastball looks like. Yes. All right. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. First game. We've got the Maryland Terrapins 42. The Virginia Cavaliers 14. Maryland had 461 total yards to Virginia's 354. Maryland had 342 passing and 119 rushing. So the running game was not great, but the passing game was elite. And Virginia threw three interceptions. Talia Tagovailoa threw for 342 yards and a touchdown. Maryland came back from an early deficit once again to route Virginia. Terps turned the game into a route at the end, forcing four turnovers in the fourth quarter. This was the second straight week that they fell behind 14, nothing early before rallying to win by double digits. Um, that kick return touchdown down 14, zero was kind of the key swing point in the game. I thought, John, what'd you think about this game? Yeah, I agree, man. You know, if that kick return hadn't come along, you know, it definitely would have taken them a little while longer to crawl back. I still think they would have won the game, but but it was, yeah, it was ugly in the beginning. There, it looks like their defense just fell asleep, and I don't know what's going on in regarding you know slow starts. You know, not only at Maryland but across the Big Ten, really, is what I'm seeing. Um, it's, yeah, it is. It is a weird problem across the conference, isn't it? Yeah, it, it seems to be everywhere. I don't know if it has has to do with a lot, you know, like the fact that transfers are coming into play a lot, you know, and so it's taking seems to kind of take a while to adjust and, you know, and want to get to be able to click. Um, but, you know, they Maryland eventually did. And, you know, in a big way, then. What I saw, you know, I was a little concerned in the beginning is is I didn't see a lot of Roman Hemby, but, you know, Littleton took a lot of the, most of the snaps. So I didn't know if like he's digged up or if he's injured. 
Um, and you know, the O-line didn't look fantastic and the pocket collapsed around Talia a lot, which is what we talked about previously in previous episodes, like about how we wanted to see the O-line do a little bit better to protect Talia. But, you know, by the start of the second half, you know, Talia took off and he had a deep TD pass that looked amazing. And, you know, but the, the O-line continued to have trouble throughout and they're just lucky that Talia can, can move in the pocket. But yeah, he's uh, something else. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, electric and like and then by then I think I think it was like 21 unanswered points by Maryland, something like that. It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he took off. But defensively, what I saw was, you know, there was there was some costly penalties going in there, just some discipline issues, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I think they, you know, they tightened up overall, though, like after those two initial TDs. And yeah, that, that kick return pretty much just kick you know sealed it for him yeah let's give a shout out to glendon miller who had five tackles including a tackle for loss and we'll throw one out also to uh ruben hippolyte wow that's a fun name who had Mm -hmm. six tackles and five solo so yeah the maryland defense they showed up they uh it was a slow start again but when they kicked into gear they they really kicked into gear yeah i mean this is a dangerous team i think that they're going to continue to cause some fits for some teams over there in the East and any of their crossover games. You know, Virginia is not a fantastic team. You know, Calandria, their QB, tried to do everything he could to keep them in the game. Um, yep. A lot of effort, a lot of heart from him, but it just, you know, wasn't enough. And if you, the, what we're going to have to see, you know, um, although now it looks like maybe their next opponent, Michigan State, may not be much of a challenge, but we don't know. Who knows? That could change. Um, But I think they just got to really, they got to cut out those slow starts. You know, like I said, across the board, I think in the conference, like those slow starts are just killing some teams. Obviously, some teams are able to recover, but yeah, some not. Yeah. Calandria, he played hard, but those three picks, man. Woof. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. But dominant performance at the end, for sure. Absolutely. And with the win, the Terrapins moved to three and oh. Let's move on to Bowling Green at Michigan. Bowling, yeah. um, JJ McCarthy fo- followed up two fantastic performances with with a not fantastic performance. He threw a <laughs> career high three picks and had two touchdown passes to help you know number two Michigan overcome a turnover filled game in a win in a thirty one six win over Bowling Green. Falcons forced three turnovers in the first half and kicked two field goals to stay within a point deep in the second quarter. Um, then, though, in the, in the first three snaps of the second half, they uh, they turned the ball over twice, and that was a problem. So, John, what you what do you think about this game? And J.J. McCarthy, who was 8 of 13 for 143 yards with two touchdowns along with those picks. Well, he looked like he was sleeping most of the game and, and the play calling looked very, it was very simplistic. And, and I'm, I don't know why they were going for home run, home run balls all the time. It just, it didn't look like their game plan. And when they did get to the running game, Corum looked amazing and they even got Edwards in there and Edwards was, was definitely contributing. You know, the offensive line was clicking, um, you know, especially in the run game. Yeah, I just don't know what was going on with J.J. McCarthy. He just looked like he wasn't there. And he was probably expecting, you know, he's you see Bowling Green on the schedule. 
And I think he just figured this would be a game he didn't really have to try that hard. But Bowling Green clearly um, was paying attention and knew that they had to deal with this guy. And, and um, they they showed up better defensively than what you would expect. And offensively, Bowling Green was just like, just chucking it down the field. Like they were just going for it. And it yeah. was like, what else are you going to do? And I, I, that's great. I thought that was, you know, what, you know, against this team, against this defense, which, you know, at the beginning looked like they were having a little bit of trouble, um, you know, because Bowling Green was connecting on some of those deep balls. I don't think Michigan's defense was actually ready for that. Um, to yeah. Just totally, you know, come at, come at them and just guns blazing. They probably but, didn't expect it. No, no. But they, that might be a template going forward for teams trying to take on this Michigan juggernaut. Maybe you do have to just challenge them downfield and 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 see where the chips fall. Well, that's I mean, look at what what uh, Brom did at Purdue when it, whenever they faced off against Iowa. Brom was just like yeah. he just went at him, and that worked. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes that works against Iowa. No, 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 for sure. <laughs> I guess this Michigan juggernaut's a little different kind of beast, but yeah, it is the same. But you're right; it's definitely it's definitely the same principle. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, though. Michigan had 312 total yards to only, which is surprising, to Bowling Green's 203. So good defensive performance. Uh, Michigan had the 169 yards rushing. So it was not a prolific offensive game from the Wolverines. No, man, it wasn't. You know, I think, like I said, if I... It, I think they should have stuck to the running game. I mean, that's, that is more of their bread and butter. And then just throwing short passes, um, the deep ball just isn't necessarily what they do. They don't have, you know, the Marvis and Harrison juniors, they are Marvin Harrison juniors. They don't have like these incredibly elite wide receivers, not to say they're bad. I'm just saying it's not, they're not just not as loaded and that's just not what they do. And so they kind of went away from that game plan from what it, what it looked like. And I think they just should have ran the ball a lot more. I mean, Corum definitely has got his legs back underneath him. He looks fantastic. Yeah. He looks great. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 12 carries, 101 yards, two TDs. That's a really solid, that's a really solid performance for sure. And that offensive line, you know, that was having some issues at the beginning of the season. They definitely, seem to have figured it out. You know, I know it was Bowling Green, but still they looked, they looked like they were just totally um, together on everything. So yeah, that's the interesting thing. Cause it wasn't like, I didn't feel like McCarthy was necessarily under a ton of pressure. He just wasn't playing very well. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. The offensive line was doing a good job all around. Yeah. He just, yeah. Seemed like he was kind of hung over or something. Yeah. Well, it happens for yep. sure. True. Um, with the win, the Michigan Wolverines moved to three and zero. John, do you have anything more in particular you want to say about that? I just wanted to, you know, he's going to have to show up a little bit better next week, though. I mean, you're facing a legitimately good defense, and that'll be kind of a test. I'm interested to see how if he gets his his stuff together and he, uh, you know, takes this uh, Rutgers defense seriously. For sure. All right, let's move on to Western Kentucky and Ohio State. So we had the Ohio State Buckeyes 63, Western Kentucky 10. Ohio State had 562 total yards of offense to Western Kentucky's 284. Um, It was a pretty good balance for OSU with 358 passing to 200 rushing. 
and they held Western Kentucky under 100 yards rushing and only 200 passing on 22 or 39 for just five. You know, Western Kentucky had just about just over five yards per attempt. So that's not not very efficient um, from the Hilltoppers. Uh, this was a pretty dominant, impressive performance. I thought Kyle McCord was good. Um, he threw three touchdowns and 318 yards. So I thought that was really solid. He had a 75 yard TD pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. on the first play from scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the stuff you like to see. So John, what did you, uh, what did you think about this one? Dude? Yeah. I mean, Kyle McCord has definitely found his rhythm. He's the guy. And, um, you know, not without some mistakes here and there, but overall, man, he, he looked fantastic. And, and this was, the game was, this game was over at the end of the, you know, pretty much halfway through the second quarter. And obviously it was done at the end of the first half with, you know, 42 to seven. And this is video game kind of stats. And so I, I was, there's not a lot to say. Um, <laughs> No, it's when it's this good. I mean, what do you what do you want to say? Devin Brown got some run. That's how good it was. Yeah. And and well, and and honestly, I guess like what we could say is is Travion Henderson. We saw him and he came out and he. Yeah, he really seven yards a rush. Yeah, he looked good. And and uh, this uh, sorry, I'm going to butcher this name. Trayanum Trayanum. We can just call him Chip. Yeah. <laughs> Until we find out, I, I'm I'm just fine that you know we're just learning about this guy now, Buckeye fans. So we yeah. will we will before you know if anyone wants to shoot us a message with the pronunciation that be would great. be appreciated. Yes, give it but to we'll us. Call him Chip, but yeah, Chip looked good. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he had a great run up the middle. You know the O line was just dominating, and mm-hmm. you know overall, man, I mean they just the the defense was swarming to the ball. They 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 were super intense. I mean they it was suffocating. Yeah, and Western Kentucky is a really prolific offense. They came into this game averaging, you know, really putting up really gaudy stats as they do. You know, pretty much every year, Western Kentucky is you know an offensive juggernaut on a regular basis. That's that's kind of their mo. Yeah, and they were able to complete some passes and you know for some pretty big chunk plays every once in a while. But you, what you saw on the field was just the 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 Buckeyes defense just swarming. I mean, yeah, that guy had no room to breathe once he came down with the ball. No, I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, big games from Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover. You know, Marvin had 126 yards on an average of 25 yards per completion with that with that long of 75. But he had he got pretty good yardage on his other catches, too. And defensively, Tommy Eichenberg had 10 tackles, including nine solo. And Steel Chambers had eight tackles, four solo, a tackle for loss. So you had some, you had some good stuff. Jermaine Matthews recorded an interception that he returned 58 yards. Steel Chambers also, sorry, I forgot to mention, he also recorded an interception. So, so yeah, the Buckeyes were, I, what did we say last week? We said that the Buckeyes were maybe going to take it personally that they dropped in the polls. I think they took it personally, John. Absolutely. Yeah, they did. (laughs) They were out for blood, dude. It was, it was intense. For sure. All right. Uh, do you have much more you want to say about that one? No, nah, man, I'm looking forward to next week's game. I mean, I, at for a while there, I was thinking that, you know, maybe Ohio State would have, they still could have some trouble with Notre Dame, but now I'm feeling a lot more confident with the Buckeyes. 
absolutely. And I'm excited to watch them play Notre Dame. This was definitely um, this was definitely the warm up that they needed. I think I think they needed to prove that they could play this well going into the Notre Dame game. Yeah. And this has got to be this is the kind of game that could set you up, propel you, you know, your entire season, I think. Absolutely. I really think it's that um, it's that important. Cool. All right. Moving right along. Let's go to. Should we talk about Washington and Michigan State? (sighs) I hate to do this to Spartan fans. I do. Yeah. But I feel like we have to we have to discuss what happened here. So it's the number eight, mandate, yeah, yeah, we had the number eight Washington Huskies forty one, Michigan State seven. Washington had John get ready for this, an eye popping seven hundred and thirteen yards of total offense, including. 536 yards passing. Oh, God. Yeah. You want to talk about video game stats? Yes. Those, those are video game stats. And it could have been even more. Absolutely, it, it could, could have. been 70, 70 to nothing. Like, I mean, it could have gone, it could have gotten even worse for Michigan State if they hadn't have taken Penix out and just started putting in the backups. Yeah. No, that was absolutely something. Something that, yeah, it was wild. And, you know, we wondered how they would react, how the team would react to the Mel Tucker situation and his suspension. And, you know, and it 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 didn't go, you know, but we should. I mean, I really think this is more about how well Washington played. But but, yeah, Michigan State was not not prepared to compete in this game. And to be fair, I mean, this Washington. I mean, Washington reached the end zone on four of its first five possessions. That's yeah. that's dominance early in the game and well, just throughout. And to, and to be fair, man, like this this offense, Washington offense could be the, the number one, if not like number two or three, you know, offense in the country, man. I mean, it, it's Penix is just so prolific. I don't know anyone else who throws a deep ball like he does, and it's beautiful. It's So I don't know what else they could have done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many teams could stop that offense. It was, it was pretty, pretty ridiculous. And offensively, I mean, no, no, Kim dude, like, like just did not look great. And only, no, he did not. No. And like, they only had 53 yards rushing. The O-line just got pushed around all game defensively man i mean it was i i I don't know what to say i mean just pretty awful across i mean they were just they weren't they weren't ready they weren't ready to to play in this game i mean when you when the other team just marches down the field and it looked it's not just that they were scoring it's that it looked so easy yeah well that's what i mean like it looked like somebody put it on easy mode on on a video game and just like ran it down their throats and and just threw the ball over the field It, it it was they were doing and scoring at will everything they wanted to do. So yeah, man, it was, it was tough. It was tough to watch. Yeah. For Washington, Michelle Powell recorded an interception. Uh, Dominique Hampton at six tackles, including three solo and Carson Bruner at six tackles, including uh, a tackle for loss. So, 
and it was spread it was spread around. I could name off several other guys in the Washington defense who had really good games too. Oh my god, yeah. And, and there's what there has to be like four or five NFL receivers on that offense too. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, the, I mean, it's like it's it's kind of Ohio State ish. It is in the receiving core specifically. Yep. Um, and that's about as high a praise as I can give. You know, um, so yeah, it was, I don't, I don't know, man. I think I'm, I were, I'm the question. Here's the question for me coming out of this game. Is it that Washington is just an unstoppable juggernaut or is Michigan state in big trouble? I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. Um, I think Washington is, you know, definitely going to be in the running to win the PAC, um, the PAC 12 this year, but Michigan state, you know, like we talked about with everything that's going on behind the scenes there, man, like how does that not demoralize a team? You know, there's no security, there's no stability. Yeah. So I can't really fault some of these guys for just, I don't know, coming up and not, not, not really showing up in the right way and losing that intensity. Well, where are their heads at? They're like, exactly. they've got, their, they've spent years committed to this program and a lot. And also he takes in a lot of transfers. Yeah. There are a lot of portal guys who arrived and are like, okay, I knew I used my transfer. And now this is, this is what I use my transfer for. Exactly. And this is, or this is or guys coming out of high school. This is, this is the program that I dedicated myself to. Yep. And so it's, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a tough situation. Yeah, I've, I've I gotta you know it's gonna be it could be a very rough season for Sparty, and we're gonna find out they're not gonna get a lot of uh, time to rest here. They're getting another high powered quarterback with a high powered offense coming up next next week. Not maybe not as as good as Washington, but pretty pretty potent. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. All right. Um, should we move on here? Yeah. All right. We've got the Penn State Nittany Lions 30, Illinois Illini 13. Penn State had 383 yards of total offense to Illinois' 354. So yardage-wise, it was somewhat even. Uh, Penn State was pretty balanced. They had... 219 yards passing and 164 yards rushing, whereas the Illini had 292 yards passing but could not run the ball with just 62 yards rushing. So the Illini continue to struggle um, to rush the ball. Um, Cam Miller, Abdul Carter, and Daquan Dixon and Johnny Hardy all had interceptions. So Penn State took advantage of five turnovers by Illinois to beat them the way they did. And it was... uh, it was good because it it's good that they played so well defensively because it was not a great effort from Drew Aller, who was just 16 or 33 for 208 yards. And the offense was not not clicking the way we are, we ex- are used to it clicking. Mm-hmm. So, John, what do you think about this one? Well, I think that, you know, Drew Aller had some trouble because he he was finally facing a defense with a pulse. Um, and yeah. Johnny Newton and that defensive line was actually creating some pressure in which he wasn't used to do, to, you know, to feeling that. Um, 
So yeah, they showed up. They showed up in a big way. Newton and Randolph and the crew. We said we asked. We wondered if they'd come to play in a big game, and they came to play in a big game. Absolutely. And so they. It was the first time I think Aller really had to deal with any adversity, or that you know that whole offense. So it was kind of. It was interesting to see that. Obviously, they adjusted and they ended up pulling out a win. Um, and I think they pretty much controlled the game for the most part. I don't think there was any point in time where I was afraid Penn State was going to lose this game. No. Um, mainly due to Luke Altmyer's four interceptions. And I just don't know what Boy. happened um, with him. I mean, and they're he got, he got benched is what happened. Yeah. He, got, he played poorly enough to get benched. It was... It was pretty awful and yeah altmeyer was 15 of 28 168 or 63 yards so that's not an average of under 5.8 yards per attempt with the four picks his qbr was just 35.2 yeah qbr is not a be-all end-all stat but that's pretty rough it is rough you know he just looked i don't know what he was looking at you know he but Penn State defense, and they're a great defense, so give them, I got to give them credit. But, yeah, man, I mean, some terrible decisions, terrible throws. Yeah. And they, you know, Illinois still, it's, they're not, I wish they could utilize Isaiah Williams better. Yeah. You know, I want to see him get more touches. He's an electric kind of player and the kind of guy who could really, if they can figure out a way to feature him a little more, could could bring a lot to the table yeah illinois he got did some... have five catches but it was just you know 63 yards and it wasn't you know he had one big play and that was about it yeah i mean they've, they've definitely got to figure some things out man and and if you can't get that running game going it's going to be a long season that's the thing man a brett bielema team that can't run the ball is a problem yep now granted this penn state defense is you know is a good defense there's no question about that. Yeah, and like, and Love had some flashes in there, but it just wasn't enough. So, yeah, they they got they got some work to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Johnny Newton blocked a field goal. That he did, that was dude. Cool. <laughs> that's like, it's that's a hard thing to do, and it, I think it shows you the kind of freak he is that he is not only disrupting defensive line or, you know, disrupting getting to the backfield all the time, but he managed to actually block a field goal. Yeah. And, he's and Hey, player. how about this? Penn state pulled away in the second half scoring on a halfback pass from none other than Trey Potts. That's right. <laughs> I was getting all kinds of messages from Penn state fans on Twitter. Just been talking to me, telling me about how Trey Potts threw a TD. I was like, yeah, that's great. I'm so I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. I like uh yeah. James Franklin obviously took this as a serious game, pulling out some trick plays. He wanted to yeah. send a message. Yeah. Well, you know, they I think I think Penn State is gonna continue to be I this is not by any means um anything negative about Penn State. I think they just finally had to adjust to a good defense. Um, but they controlled that game pretty much the the entire time I, I i don't think they were in any danger of of, of losing um so they they did a solid job but i you know illinois definitely has got to got to get back to work yeah but i was encouraged i'm still encouraged by what i saw from the illinois defense though yes 
because Penn State was looking like an unstoppable juggernaut offensively coming into this game, and they really humbled them. I mean, not humbled them, but they they did make it harder for them than it's been. For sure. All right, and the uh, um, lost my train of thought. Like I said, people, a little tired. Been a long day. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say about this one? No, man. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we got Penn State facing Iowa next week. And then let's see, Illinois is. Illinois has got Florida Atlantic. Okay. Well, then so they, that's a get right game. Yep. Yeah. They could, they could address a lot of these issues and, and fix some things for sure. Boy, that Penn State Iowa game is a great game next week. Yeah. That'll and, be a good one. Yeah. Um, I'm already frustrated that. We've got Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State, Iowa, and Minnesota Northwestern at the same time slot. And why that Minnesota Northwestern game is in prime time, I have no idea. It's really at dumb. Ryan Field in front of a nothing crowd. Like, it's going to be, I don't know. I, I'll, I don't still, know. I'll still watch, but I'm just like, oh, no. I was, I was sure that was going to be an 11 a.m. kick, and I was all ready for Penn State, Iowa, and Ohio State. I'm going to have to. I have, I have a two- TV setup at home. Yeah. People. So I'm going to have to put Penn state, Iowa on the laptop. That's going to have to be the third screen. <laughs> I'm going to have to get that on the laptop so I can at least check in on it once in a while. Well, I've got, you know, well, I've got Minnesota Northwestern and Ohio state Notre Dame up. Now, do you prefer prime? What, what, what is your ideal game time game start time for, for, for Minnesota? I mean, I think it depends who we're playing. Okay. Right. Like if it's a big game, I want it to be at two thirty. Usually I want it to be at like two thirty or in prime time. Okay. Unless it's a big game against a team that I think is better than us, in which case I want it to be an eleven AM kick and hopefully catch them napping a little bit. <laughs> you know, where that where where you're a little more hyped up than they are and they're not quite ready for it. But against a team, you know, that's let's be honest, struggling the way Northwestern is. Um, I would rather just have that at 11 a.m., get it out of the way, and then have the rest of my day to watch other college football. I don't know. What do you think? How do you feel about when uh, games are? I agree. I, I, I'm I actually, I'm, I feel the same way. Um, you know, the older I get, the, the less I, le- I enjoy staying up late to try and watch my team play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> full, full disclosure. Um, but that's funny. But yeah, man, I, I think I think we're on the we're the same train of thought. Cool. But anyway, sorry for the tangent on Minnesota. Uh, not not when we intended, but we'll move on. <laughs> yes. All right. Um. Let's move on to Louisville 21, Indiana 14. Louisville had 422 total yards of offense to Indiana's 357. Indiana had 299 yards passing, which was good, but just 58 yards rushing, whereas Louisville was more balanced with 238 yards passing and 184 yards rushing. Um, Let's talk right away about the end, though. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was on the goal line and Indiana had a chance to tie or win the game. Essentially. Yep. Taven Jackson goes up under center and you're thinking Indiana's got this jock quarterback. Let's put him under center 
and do a QB sneak. But instead, they did this like slow developing handoff. Mm-hmm. From, I mean, what were they? Were they? I mean, they were inside the one, weren't they? It was like yeah, something like that, or like on the two yard line, it was it one was or really, two, something yeah, like that. It was really close, yeah. And I'm just thinking, why don't you have your big jock quarterback sneak it? Yeah, it was that was very frustrating. Frustrating. I it Indiana by this through the second half, man was was dominating that game. They and, dominated the whole second half. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was Louisville so it was, didn't, yeah didn't score once in the second half. Yeah, yeah. it was twenty one nothing Louisville at half. Mm-hmm. And then Indiana outscored them fourteen nothing, and should have had, should have either been able to put that into overtime or else win the have a chance to win the game in regulation on that. Yeah, that's really man. This Indiana team is that's a it's a really tough loss. It is, and I I was I thought they were going to pull it off, and mm-hmm. especially I I did love the call like right at the the top of the second half with that onside kick. Yeah, that was great. I mean, love it, that. I mean, when you got nothing to lose like that, that was good for Tommy Allen for sure it, to pull that. Exactly. Like they went in with that into that second half with the right mindset and they were they were dominating, you know, and it was it they was got an great, onside kick and three plays later threw a 30 yard pass TD pass to Jalen Lucas. I mean, yeah. that's how you that's how you attack. Yeah. And then oh. after that, two series later, they and, you know, Jackson engineered a 97 yard touchdown drive. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, and it's just, yeah, it, well, it's just a, some missed opportunities. It's just it's missed opportunities. But like, what is good to see though is that this offense. We were wondering, you know, a couple of weeks ago whether this offense was just going to be absolutely awful and the defense was going, only going to be only keep them in games from time to time. But this offense looks like it has some some things going for it. You know, Lucas is definitely the best player on that team, and and. I think Taven Jackson is the real deal. I think he can really get some things going for them. I've been impressed by him. I yeah, mean, 24 me for 34, 299 yards, nearly nine yards in attempt, a TD. He did throw the pick. But, I mean, for a guy who's as young and inexperienced as he is, I mean, I think Indiana might have – I know it's been hard for the Hoosiers fans to watch Michael Penix do what he's doing yeah. at Washington. I mean, it's got to be rough. But – I think Taven Jackson is, I'm not saying he's Michael Penix. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, I think he's, he's a player. Yeah, absolutely. And that defense, man, you know, it's, it's a great, it it was very impressive to see them regroup in the second half and just shut down that Louisville offense as well as they did. Yeah. It's just, it's just too bad. They came out so slow out of the gates. Yeah. I mean, to give up an 85-yard touchdown catch and then close the half of the 25-yard touchdown run, that's rough. Yeah. And can I – I just want to say one thing about Louisville and Jeff Brom. Does he just clone his quarterbacks every year? I mean, they all look – they look physically – They look the same. They play the same. The same. They're they the same guy. They the same. It's like – it's – he just continued. That's that's his that's his thing. It's so funny. It's man. like USC QBs in the 2000s under Pete Carroll. Yeah, where it was just always pretty much the same guy with, with different <laughs> hair with with like slightly different haircuts. Yeah, that's it. That's it. This looks exactly the same. Uh, I mean, good. You, you know, plumbers, plumbers. He he could throw a great ball, man. But same. It, it just looked like I was watching a repeat. It's funny. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the next game? Yeah. Let's do that. All right. We've got Wisconsin 35, Georgia Southern 14. Wisconsin had 451 total yards of offense. Georgia Southern actually had 455. So they outgained Wisconsin and put up. Um, Georgia, uh, Wisconsin had 244 yards passing and 207 rushing. So they were pretty well balanced. Whereas Georgia Southern did it all through the air. They couldn't really run the ball. didn't even, didn't even try too hard, but threw it for nearly 400 yards. Um, Georgia, the story of this game, John is Georgia Southern had five inter through five interceptions and had a fumble lost. Yeah. This game looked more to me. Like if they wouldn't have had all of, all of those, most of those, um, not all of them, I guess, but most of those um, interceptions gift wrapped to them, this could have been a different outcome because that defense, I know that we're hearing all about how they, you know, they, they had all of these turnovers and everything like that. Most since I don't know when, uh, but I, I just can't give them all the credit on that. I don't think it was that they are so amazing. And and I just think that that quarterback, Bryn, to me, was the MVP for Wisconsin in that game. He really was. I mean, he fumbled a snap, too. John, here, it's sidebar. Have you, do you remember a year when we've had as many fumbled snaps as we've seen this season? Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, that's another It's thing. like an epidemic this season. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But it feels no, like right. it's happening more than I ever remember happening before. I mean, maybe that, maybe maybe that's just anecdotal. But it seems that way to me too. Yeah, yeah. Bryn finished thirty-three of fifty-three for three hundred eighty-three yards and four touchdowns, but he did commit the six turnovers. Yes, and the fumbled snap was at um, was at the Badgers' fourteen, also in the fourth quarter. So that was rough. Mm-hmm. Um. For Wisconsin, Hunter Wooler had a standout performance on defense. He had a safety, 10 tackles, six solo, two interceptions, a sack, and a tackle for loss. That's like uh that's a Big Ten player of the week kind of performance. Yeah. He looks good for sure. But the defense as a whole, not as good. No. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of yards to give up to Georgia Southern. And that and I'm, a lot and a lot of those yards were when the game was still close. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and if we're just, you know, talking a little bit about the offense now, like, again, Mordecai was, he was fine, but Allen, two touchdowns. Yeah. But Allen, man, I don't know what it is. Something is wrong with him again. Like we've talked about, we keep talking about this, but he just does not look good. And and I've wanted to try to be nice about this and I've wanted to try to give him some time but dude, he is so slow and he just can't make a cut to save his life. And Malusi to me is the clear RB one in this situation. And, yeah, and it's interesting. It's, you say that because Allen's stats were much better than Malusi's in this game. Really? Because it just, I mean, I guess you're, you know, the stats are what they are, but man, he just didn't look good to me. He was buoyed. He had one 32 yard run that buoyed his stats a lot. Yeah. But no, I know what you mean. I, this season, I felt like he's, I feel like he's playing hurt just watching him. He looks to me. That's what I mean. We've yeah. said that before. I don't want to get, I know we've talked about it before. We don't have to get too far into it. Sure, sure, sure. But, um, but yeah, I just, I feel like there's something I, I agree with you. I feel like there's something not quite, quite right. 
Yeah, and Malusi just seems to flow better, dude. He just seems to work in this offense on the running game. But maybe, you know, obviously I know the stats are what they are, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Not right. a dominant, not as dom- dominant of a performance. I don't think the score was indicative of how close this game truly was. With all those turnovers, no, it couldn't be. Yeah. Um. All right. Moving on to the next game. We've got the North Carolina Tar, number 20, North Carolina Tar Heels, 31, Minnesota, 13. North Carolina had 519 yards of total offense to the Gophers, 303. Um, It was North Carolina had 414 on the ground. They really struggled to run the ball. They had 105 yards rushing on under three yards per rush. So it was all, it was the Drake May show. And, um, John, what'd you think about this one? You you go first, and I'll gather my thoughts here. Well, I'll start with I'll start with the good. Yeah, I'll start with the good. Yeah, um, Darius Taylor is the guy, and and he, he continues is. to impress. And as a freshman, you know he's got he's got skills that you you can't teach, man. He's got that patience. He's got that vision. You know, he maybe takes a little bit too much time you know, here in the backfield, but overall though, like you can see it, he looks calm. He looks collected. He runs hard too, when he hits those holes. So, you know, he's still got work to do um, to get better, but man, it's a relief to at least know we have, we have an RB one. We have someone that we can really lean on to, to an extent. So, yeah, I don't, the thing about it was that, Minnesota was actually playing pretty well in a lot of facets for a while. Um, the defense was much better in the second half. The issue was they had they had some guys who just had really bad games and got kind of exposed. And if you look at, I don't want to, you know, I don't. We don't always want to call people out by name. We will sometimes. Well, no, you know what? We can we can call it out by name. But Ethan Kaliakmanis did not had a really poor game. It was as inaccurate as I've ever seen him. He was missing. There were wide open receivers running through the secondary North Carolina. There were wide open receivers running through that Carolina secondary and he was missing them. And then sometimes when he did hit them, the passes were dropped. Yeah. I think Brevin span Ford had a few drops. Elijah Spencer had a drop. Um, There were so, so Ethan had a really tough game throwing the ball. And then even when he did throw accurate passes, we had we had drops. And then on the other side of the ball, number seven, Aiden Goosby got beat bad three times, including twice for touchdowns. Now, granted, granted, Fleck maybe should have called timeout there because one of those times they caught them, you know, us changing a defense, um, caught Minnesota changing their defense. But if you're the deep safety, you're the deep safety. Mm-hmm. And you can't get beat like that. And it was, it was clear that they were targeting him. They were going out of their way to pick on number seven on defense. And until he proves, you know, and it, it now that's on film. So when we're going through the Big Ten schedule, as good as Minnesota's other defensive backs, some of them are, he's going to be the guy that teams are trying to, until he proves that he can handle it. He's going to be the guy that teams are attacking. Yeah, I mean, I think the first 
touchdown. He was he actually had like good coverage. The ball was just placed perfectly. Um, it was but, a dime. It was an absolute dime from Drake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but so, he was a half. He was a half step. He had him by a half step. Yeah, but it was. But overall, though, yeah, dude. I mean, it was it was really tough to watch. And and you know, defensively, I think you know, Minnesota still you know looked like they had their shit you know shit together early in the game, and they were able to to create some pressures. They got sacks. They got interceptions. You know, they were able to look good. They shut there. down the run game. Yeah, entirely. Totally. Entirely. You know, yeah. Carolina could Carolina came in as a team that was really running the ball well, and they could not run the ball at all. It exactly. was, it was all on Drake may to beat the Gophers. Yeah. Which, you which know, he did to his credit. Yeah, he absolutely did it. He threw, I mean, he threw a couple picks, but Man, he throws a beautiful ball. And not just that, every time they needed a first down and nobody was open, he just ran for it. I mean, he is real. He can, it's kind of reminds me of Trevor Lawrence, where he's just a lot faster than you think he is. You know, when Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, I remember one time he broke out and had like a 40 yard touchdown run. Everyone was like, whoa. Like, cause, cause he, cause he got out and got to do that. But as a quarterback, you're not usually out in the wide open. You're kind of weaving in between, in, in among defenders. Right. So Drake may, man, he can really move. He can throw the ball. I mean, it was all on him and he's every bit, you know, he's every bit as good as advertised. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, what worries me about this defense is I saw some similar issues with the Nebraska game when Jeff Sims was able to run um, whenever he was scrambling and, and Minnesota just had a hard time containing him and stopping that. Yep. And yes, you saw it again. It's in a this pattern. Game. It's yep. a pattern now. Yep. And that's, that scares me because that's where we're getting beat and with mobile quarterbacks. So. And we've yeah. got JJ McCarthy a few weeks down the road. Ugh, yeah. So if you yeah. want to talk about mobile quarterbacks who are faster than you think they are. Yeah. Well, and offensively, man, you know, just the the run game was great. Run game was great, but Ethan just has to get a lot better. It's Seriously. and you know what? Some of the guys played well. I thought it's I thought Corey Crooms played pretty well. Um but he just didn't get as many opportunities as he needed to get. Yeah. It was rough. It was it was a bad game. Ethan had a really bad game, but do I think that like, you know, we need to throw in the towel and find a backup and let's all just, you know, the sky is falling type of attitude like so many people do traditionally in the Twin Cities. That is the way thing you, you know, that's how you live as a Minnesota sports fan apparently. Um, but I think, you know, next week and then the week after that should be a chance to get to to fix fix some things and hopefully he can regain some of that confidence. Yeah. I mean, not only is Ethan coming off this game now, but he also played poorly against Northwestern last year. Yeah. Let's be real. So this is a chance for him to get back on track. I mean, PJ Flex said it all in the quote. He said, I think everybody saw that. We had plenty of opportunities. We had people open all over down the field. We had drop balls, tip balls, balls that were inaccurate, balls that missed the explosive plays. And that's the thing. 
because there were a couple of times Ethan had guys wide open running deep and just was nowhere near. And then the worst was then that when the Gophers started to get the offense going in the second half, that first possession of the second half, they came down and scored a field goal. And then the next possession, they were driving down. And as they got near the red zone, Ethan got hurt yep. and had to come out. And Cole Kramer came in and immediately threw like the worst interception I've ever seen in my life. It was like he was playing 500 and just <laughs> threw it up for grabs. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was painful. Yes. And that was that was the Gophers' chance. You know, it was 21 13 then. So if they go in and score a touchdown, they're back in the game. But ultimately, Minnesota's not going to win any games if Ethan throws the ball like that. Yep. And if number seven gets exposed like that. Yeah. And I just felt like I felt like those two guys really kind of, that kind of told the tale. And, you know, there's some good stuff. Like you said, the running game was good. The offensive line played really well. Yeah. yeah. True freshman Greg Johnson got some run and looked like he belonged in the Big Ten as a true freshman playing offensive line. That's impressive. Yeah. And the defensive line continues to look great. They yep. look good. Yeah. They get pressure. They stop the run. I had a lot of questions there, but. Man, they are exceeding expectations so far. Absolutely. All right. Next week, Minnesota returns to Big Ten play, and they're hoping to go to 2-0 and in league play when they visit Northwestern on Saturday. John, anything else you want to say about that one before we move on? No, I think we covered it pretty good. I'd, I'd like to move on from that game for sure. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. All right, we have Iowa 41, Hawkeyes with 41 points, Western Michigan 10. Um, this was kind of what I hoped to see from Iowa this week was them blast out and have a score a bunch of points, and they managed to do that. So I thought that was great. Um, Iowa had 300. They still, you know, it's not the most prolific thing ever. They had 387 total yards to Western Michigan's 239. Iowa had just 133 through the air, but they had 254 on the ground on nearly six yards of carry. So that Iowa run game really came to play and carried the day. Um, like we said, Iowa's Cade McNamara was nine for 19 for 103 yards, two TDs and two picks. So not Cade's best game. Um, but the run game really showed up. The defense showed up. John, what'd you think about this one? Yeah, the offense, the running game looks fantastic. The yeah. running game, Williams. Really good. Yeah, I mean, they, they really do. But it took, again, slow starts. This took an entire half. At one point, Western Michigan was, was beating Iowa. And it didn't look good that first half, but they eventually got things going, I think towards the, like right at the end of the second quarter. And then obviously took off in the second half, but the yeah. passing game t continues to struggle. Uh, you know, I think McNamara Cade is hurt. He's hurt all he's hurt. It's be that way. This is just the way it's going to be all season is, is yeah. what I'm, I'm expecting. So, I mean, maybe they get to a bye week and he can get better a little bit, but like, it, it does seem like he's going to be hurt all It does feel like, start to feel like he's going to be hurt all year, which sucks. Well, which and it sucks. didn't help that you saw, I don't know if you saw Lachey go down too. And it looked like it could be, it might not be good. The, no, they said I it didn't. Looked pretty, pretty rough. So, oh, I mean, no, that's, that's they, terrible. Yeah. They've got Eric all, he looked, Eric or all looked fantastic, but like, yeah, man, 
Um, that could be, that's kind of Iowa's thing though, is to have two weapons at tight end. That's sort of what makes their offense go is a running game and two weapons at tight end. That's, that's always been kind of the Kirk Ferentz thing that he's got in his back pocket and he pulls out and, you know, when you least expect it and he, and he takes you down. My, you know, my only concern or my biggest concern though, for that offense though, is like with a quarterback that's hurt, I didn't, the pass protection didn't look fantastic, you Mm -hmm. know? You know the the run blocking looked fantastic, but that pass pro was they were letting guys get to him too often, and yeah. you know you just can't have that when you're when your quarterback's already doing that can play into throwing interceptions too yep. when you start to think that you're not going to have time, and then so you hurry your process, and then you throw picks like yep. that's that becomes a you know sometimes I know we think of interceptions as a quarterback stat, but I do think that the offensive line plays a big role in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the defense did what an Iowa defense does. They got burned early on a few, on a few uh, plays, but they, you know, they woke up and basically just dominated the entire second half. And, and they got uh special teams because, you know, it's Iowa a uh, block punt for a safety. So that's always nice. That's, that's what Iowa does. They will show up and beat you on special teams. How about LaShawn Williams, though? 12 carries, 145 yards. John, that's 12 yards a carry. Dude, he was that's, amazing. That's pretty good, Bob. He yeah, was he, yeah. he was incredible, dude. Like I I was I had so much fun watching him. And Molten also looked really I think that's how you, unless I'm yep, mispronouncing Moulton. that. Um he looked incredible too. He was doing great. Um, so overall, man, I think like with Iowa, they'll be able to lean on that run game. And as long as they have, you know, an okay passing game and that offensive line can protect McNamara a little bit better, I think they should be okay. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I mean, I we said going into the year that they were the favorites in the West and they, you know, I'd say at this point, Nobody looks that great in the West, so I think it's wide open. I think these teams are going to continue improving, though. Again, I won't go into my rant too far, but these are, you know, it's September. Teams are still getting better. We're going to see these teams evolve. Some teams are going to get better. Other teams are going to get worse. Yep. But, yeah. Remember, this has only been three games. People, (laughs) stop crowning champions and stop counting other teams out. Can't do that. Yep, absolutely. All right, should we do Duke Northwestern? Yeah. We didn't already do that, did we? We did not, no. Okay, great. That's good. All (laughs) right, people, moving right along. We've got Duke 38, Northwestern 14. Duke had 487 total yards, Northwestern's 267. It was pretty even. Duke had 219 yards passing and 268 yards rushing. Um, Northwestern had 163 passing and 104 um, rushing. Riley Leonard ran for two touchdowns to lead Duke along with those 219 yards passing. Um, Duke coach Mike Elko said, we started fast. We got a lead. That's what you want to do in a game like this. Jordan Waters also ran for two touchdowns and Jalen Calhoun caught five passes for 112 yards as the blue devils who are still undefeated and ranked open the season with three straight wins for the second year in a row. Northwestern quarterback, Ben Bryant was 17 for 34 for 123 yards with a touchdown and an interception. 
Uh, John, what'd you think of this one? I think Northwestern put up a valiant effort. You know, yeah, I, I agreed. Duke is a good team. This is a really good team. They're a complete yes. team on both sides of the ball. They can run, they can pass. I mean, and they've, it's not that they're, I don't think they're world beaters, but they are definitely a very solid team to face off against. And they're, and they're just, they're great fundamentals. They, they know how to, you know, they know they're, really good at tackling they're really good up front on the line of scrimmage they can run the ball on you they can pass the ball on you they have a mobile core a mobile enough quarterback um yeah man i mean it, it just i think northwestern just they were there's just a lot more talent on this duke on this duke football team and northwestern just wasn't able to keep up but i think they did a pretty good effort you know all things considered um you know bryant and and henning had a had a great TD pass. Um, Bryant looked a little bit better in the pocket. He was throwing some nice balls. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and it looks like, uh, I think Kurtz. Yeah. Kurtz got into the game as well. He's another favorite target. And Cam Porter showed some, showed some, uh, some flashes too, man. I mean, he had a great 25 yard run. I mean, that guy runs angry. He really does. And if yeah. you can, if Northwestern can continue to get him the ball and get him going, I think they could potentially be, they could be kind of dangerous for sure. I just want him to get more touches. He still only had 12 touches. He needs more. I he just want, I want him to get the ball 20 times a game. Yes. Them. I don't, I don't really understand. I mean, like, I guess game script, they get behind, they had to pass more, but I wish they need to find a way to feature him more in the passing game because, um, I'm forgetting the running back who went to the NFL. Oh, um, Hull, yes, Evan Hull. That's what they did with him was they had him run and pass. And I think they have to find a way to feature Camp Porter in the passing game a little more. But I agree with you that Northwestern is they are they they're improved from last year, right? Yeah. Um, we'll see what that means in Big Ten play. I still don't know if they win any Big Ten games, but I do think they are they have gotten a little better. They've and they've they've kind of yeah I think they've surprised me a little bit more than what I was expecting this you know this game and and last week um, I know it was UTEP but they look like they're starting to get organized and and like they can throw some stuff together and not just be a total you know basket case for sure all right let's move on to. Uh, Virginia Tech and Rutgers. Yeah. All right. We had Rutgers 35, Virginia Tech, Tech 16. Rutgers had 302 total yards to Virginia Tech's 319. So they actually did get outgained. Um, Rutgers had just 46 yards passing, but had 256 yards rushing on seven and a half yards per rush. It was a Kirk Soraka special. Yes. And the Scarlet Knights um, really showed up there. For the second straight game, Kyle Manungai provided Rutgers with a much-needed fourth-quarter spark. Um, he scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and, and turned a five-point Rutgers lead into a route. Scored on runs of 55 and 12 yards in that quarter. Finished with three TDs over, overall and 143 yards rushing. And Gavin Wimsett didn't throw the ball well, but he ran for 87 yards. So, hey, there's that. Um, John, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights are 3-0. and What do you think? I mean, I'm not surprised, dude. I picked this team to go 6-6, six and, six, and yeah, I think they will. 
I, yeah. I think that, you know, Menungai is, he is awesome. Dude. He's, he's, he's really good. He's great vision and speed. He's fun to watch. He just, he just jitterbugs all over the place. And, and Wimsat, even though he didn't have a great game passing, like what he did throw though, he, you could see he's getting some touch on the ball and, mm-hmm. and his, and his pocket awareness is getting a lot better. And that's why he was able to scramble and, and, <clears throat> And get all the yards, and and I think one for a TD. Um, and he used to, and he's really struggled at times with touched on passes yes. too. He's kind of got that Joe Milton thing where he started out kind of trying to rifle everything. He's looking or also an, also a little bit of an Ethan Kaliak Manis thing. If we're being real, <laughs> let's be honest. Yes, yep. um, there's that. Um, unfortunately, you know, Wimsack and seems to be a little bit more mobile, but uh, if it's in, but he looked good, man. I think he, I think he's coming along okay. You know, he's not going to be amazing, but I think he'll be more than serviceable. Um, but when you have Manungai back there, dude, I mean, he, he, it just lean on that running game. And like you said, dude, like this was, this was stereotypical Kirk Chiraka offense for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, and the Hokies were down, they're down their top wide receiver. Jennings and starting quarterback Grant Wells, who both suffered ankle injuries in their loss to Purdue um, on September 9th. Uh, Wells was replaced by redshirt sophomore Chiron Drones, who completed 19 of 32 for 190 yards, ran for 74 yards on 22 carries. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Rutgers really played well. You got to give them a lot of credit for it. And and for as a reward for all of their good play, now they get a chance to step up in a Big Ten play. Or no, they already did play a Big Ten game. That's right. Yep. So they're back in a Big Ten play uh, to play in Michigan. the big house at Michigan next week. Yeah. The one thing I, I will, my biggest gripe with their defense is it seems like they have a little trouble getting pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really, you know, I mean, they're going to have to really step that up next week. Um, but I think if they continue to feed the ball, uh, with Menungai and get him involved in the passing game, maybe a little bit too, um, you know, they could, they could cause some issues here and there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the next game. We had Nebraska 35, Northern Illinois 11. (laughs) Heinrich Harburg threw for two touchdowns and ran for another in his first start. The six foot five, 215 pound sophomore completed 14 of 24 passes for 158 yards. And he was willing to put himself out there and really run hard. Um, Nebraska had 382 total yards to Northern Illinois, 149. So it was another impressive performance by the Nebraska defense. Northern Illinois had 123 yards passing on just 3.4 yards per pass, and they rushed for 26 yards on 1.2 yards per rush, John. So that is an absurdly low average yards per play, both passing and rushing. It was a really big performance for the Nebraska defense. Um, What do you think about this one? I mean, I got to give it to Harburg, man. He, and, and also Satterfield finally just calling the game they should have been calling for the last two games. They finally just ran the ball. Yeah, just run the freaking ball, man. Like shove it down their throats and the entire game control that possession, you know, and and that's and they did just that. And and Harburg yeah, is 44 rushing attempts to 24 passes. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. There, there was one fumble in the beginning of the game and it was on a snap. 
and but it didn't happen after that. It, you know, he, I think Harbor got chewed out, and you saw uh, you saw Rule's face, and he was just fuming. I mean, you, you could see every blood vessel popping in his in his eye. Um, but he he uh, Harburg really got it together. The kid really just he's willing to get in there and get dirty, and I love that. And and um, yeah, man. I mean, they got all the running backs into the game as well. Uh, they even got Fedoni uh, Fedoni into the into the game and were mm-hmm. able to pass the ball a little bit. Um, yeah, he had a touchdown. Yeah. So overall, man. I mean, to me, don't move away from this. Keep going forward. This this guy could be your the answer you're looking for. Yeah, Harburg, uh, he strikes me as a confident guy. He is. From yeah. his from his quotes, he said, <laughs> being able to have that first drive end like that, I don't think I could have ended it better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not hate. I wish more players talk like that. Absolutely. And we're just man. honest about how they well, and it's not their fault, right? They get they get media training and they get, you know, they turn into little you know, it started I, the first time I noticed it was Nick Saban's teams, but where they kind of all say the same things. And that's how, you know, most college football players are. But so when you get a guy who is a little more off the cuff with it, it's always a little bit fun. Well, if you think about it, man, you know, think he's the third. He's a third string quarterback. And he finally he finally had his he shot to play. He, yeah, dude, he was like, yeah. it, was, it was total YOLO moments for him. And he just went for it. And, and I love that. I love that, man. He was having a good time and he looks good doing it. And yeah, dude, I think, uh, you know, Nebraska has some finally has something offensively, you know, that they can look forward to here. Yeah. And on defense, they played really well. Um, Javin Wright recorded an interception. Nash Huttmacher, Huttmacher. Had six tackles, three solo, including uh, a half sack and two and a half uh, tackles for loss. And Jamari Butler and MJ Sherman also recorded tackles for loss. Yeah. So it was it was a really impressive team. I just I can't I can't get past the defensive effort. And that was this is this is a legit Nebraska defense, and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna cause teams problems in Big Ten play. Absolutely, yeah. This this defense is no joke. Uh, you know, it, it's, I think they're going to, they're, they're continuing to look better. Um, I'm sure they were relieved that they didn't have to carry the team uh, in this yep. game. And you can see what a difference that makes. It's and a complimentary so, football kind of thing. Absolutely. So I, I think Nebraska should be, they should be excited at this point. I would be. Absolutely. It was, that was the, what they needed and they get to play Louisiana tech next Saturday. So that'll be a good game to build on it. The question is, John, if if uh, Jeff Sims is healthy, who do you think starts at quarterback? Dude, if he if rule goes back to Sims, I'd be if I were a Husker fan, I'd be pulling my freaking hair out at this point in time. Unless like Harburg totally craps the bed next week. Right. Why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's my philosophy. Yep. All right, and uh, with the win, Nebraska moves to one and two. All right, I think we're on our last game. We've got Syracuse 35, Purdue 20. Purdue had 403 yards of offense to Syracuse's 455. 
Purdue had 323 yards passing, but just 80 yards rushing. So um, the passing game was happening, but the running game was not as they had just two and a half yards per rush. Um, Syracuse was a lot, was a little more balanced. They had 184 yards passing and 270 yards rush, 271 yards rushing on 44 rushing attempts. So it was over six yards per rush. Um, Garrett Schrader was incredible. He Dude. rushed for 195 yards on 25 carries, including four touchdowns to lead the orange to the 35, 20 victory over Purdue. Uh, John, what'd you think about this one? I mean, first up, yeah, first of all, let me just point out, I'm going to get to Schrader in a second, but this, there were so many freaking penalties on oh my both goodness. Of these were teams. there not so many penalties? This was so ugly and like in so many turnovers. I mean, I, I, it was, it was a messy, messy game. So yep. neither team looked good in that respect, but yeah, dude, uh, Schrader, I, I have to produce defense made Schrader look like freaking Cam Newton at times. It was, it was, crazy. it was wild, man. He was, that's Cam Newton. That's a, that's a good pull. Cause he was just all it They couldn't stop him. No. And it was like, they knew he was going to run the ball and he was just doing it anyway. <laughs> and effortlessly he was galloping out there, dude. He was, he was, he he's was, a smooth runner. Actually. Yeah, he is. I was surprised because I, you know, my biggest point of contact for him was watching him in the bowl, in the uh, in the bowl game last year against the Gophers, and I didn't I didn't think he was a statue, but I didn't think he could run like that. No, not at all. We didn't see that last year. No. Then again, uh, remember that field was was trash, so nobody could really run on that field. So that's not, not. that's actually a that's actually a really good point. No. Um, Purdue though. A lot of turnovers. Hudson Card threw a pick. And then Hudson Card fumbled four times. And they lost three of them. And that speaks to, I mean, I guess that speaks to Hudson Card's ball security. But that's also got to talk, speak to the offensive line as well. Yeah. It, it was rough, dude. He had, a, he had a tough game. And, you know, he got bailed out a few times. I mean, thankfully, he's got, you know, he's got Burks who has just, amazing hands he's incredible yeah dude yeah he's awesome but you know they really they couldn't really run they couldn't really you know i think maccabee and tracy jr like they they showed some flashes but overall not much not much to show there um and Carr just had issues holding on to the ball and it really couldn't run the ball at all you're being generous john (laughs) two and a half yards of rush Maccabee had had about two and a half yards of rush. Yeah. Tyrone Tracy led the team with under four yards per rush. Yeah, it was it wasn't good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to yeah I'm trying to trying to play it into some po- spin it somewhat positively, but yeah, it's not happening. Um, Card's a good player, but you can't ask him to carry the offense like that. No, and you got to give him more time in the pocket too. Sometimes, yes. and, you know that offensive line was just not giving it to him. They weren't helping him at all. No. No. So yeah, dude, it was a, it wasn't a good showing, um, on either side of the ball. Uh, especially I got to say, man, I mean, as bad as the offense looked, that defense looked even worse. Um, yeah, I was not expecting, you know, like we said, Schrader to look that good. And, and it was just, it was terrible tacking, tackling, like the fundamentals just like seemed to go out the window on defense. So, yeah. 
it is going to be so interesting this Friday night to watch Wisconsin and Purdue play. Yeah. We've got two new coaches, totally new. Obviously, this isn't the preview episode, but I am going to be really curious to watch that game. And I'm kind of glad that it's got it's that it's in prime time on Friday. And like I can watch that without having to without trying to keep track of anything else. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Like it's who who has who shows up to the game focused and just basically has their crap together, man. We'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. This has been a fun podcast in my sort of punch drunk state. So folks, we, I realized there were a couple glitches along the way. Thanks for rolling with us. And, uh, we'll come out with the uh, review podcast or with the preview podcast a little earlier this week. Yeah. And again, as always, we want to remind you that you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. And you can find us on Twitter at, <clears throat> at we live for B1G Sat. That's at we live for B1G Sat. We live for Saturday. Awesome. Well, it's been great, John. Thanks as always. And thanks for listening. And we will see you in a few days. All right. Have a good week, everyone.